Do you want to learn to live more mindfully, to connect with the special people in your life in a more heart-centered way? Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Heart School. This is Kim, mindful learning coach, educator, and parent here to spread the love and joy and tools for living mindfully. Welcome. Greetings, everyone. This is Kim with Heart School here with another episode on mindfulness for parents and teachers. We're calling it the mindful method here at Heart School. Um, wanted to start out my podcast with just a mindful moment and just a way for us to start focusing on gratitude and how really gratitude can help shift our paradigms very quickly when we're in a state of gratitude and our gratitude place, not our place of, you know, complaining and nitpicking. It's really easy for us to get there. So today I am completely grateful for the cool weather here in Breckenridge where I live. Um, It is 63 degrees out and a little bit uh, drizzly. I just am grateful. This time of year can be so hot and somewhat miserable and it's nice to actually have to throw a jacket on. So Think about what you're grateful in this moment. Feels so wonderful to be in a place of gratitude. So today, um, I just really have some concepts that I'm going to just start speaking to and weaving them together. Um, I'll think of a topic, an episode title for this later, but really the focus is on autonomy. And as parents, one of the things that lights our hearts up or as teachers, is when our children start to really own their learning and own their what they contribute, their contributions to a family, to a classroom. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about creating space for autonomous learning and autonomous contributions. So we all have abilities and disabilities. We, we do. Um, we A lot of children are labeled as having a disability, but really when we come down to it, we all have things we're really good at and things that we are really struggle with that are challenges for us. And as the guides of our children, one of the things that I believe is our responsibility is to recognize those strengths, and then support our children to build that bridge and scaffold, use those strengths to help with their areas of need. There's all different kinds of intelligences and all kinds of different ways that we are gifted, whether they are social emotional. So, you know, we can be gifted in our social emotional quotients, or we can really struggle with them. There's the linguistic component. We have mathematics, artistic components, literacy. There's all different ways that we are able to demonstrate areas that we're gifted in, but also areas where we really struggle. I, for one, struggle with math. It's never been something that I ever really enjoyed too much, but this learned helplessness set in for me where I just felt like I was so inept with math concepts that I 
truly believed that I was not good at math. And actually, I am fairly good at math in my adult life. I have, you know, run successful businesses. I've overseen data and implementation, certainly, you know, more, you know, managing a mortgage and, you know, bills and all these things that come with just having a basic mathematical understanding of concepts. But I really, truly think that my love for communication, for literature, for, um, you know, solving problems, you know, those are, those help build the bridge for me. So when we're talking about our children, um, it's important, I think, for us to all understand just our areas that we're really good at and then areas where we just struggle because that's where we're going to tap into those gifts to help with those areas of struggle. Um, so kind of an, another example of this that I would like to share on a personal note is when my son was three, we took him to the children's hospital for some diagnostic testing because we did, you know, feel like there was some delays and some, you know, repetitive speech and some things that we just wanted some professionals to observe. And you got to be really careful um, as especially an educator when we're talking to parents because your words are powerful. If you blatantly tell a parent that their child, you know, does not have a positive outlook that they really struggle with something. It's important to be sensitive about how that is portrayed because I can share from my experiences on the other end of the spectrum, how painful it is to have a professional tell you that, you know, your child will or will not be able to do something. And my first instinct was, you want to bet? we're going to, I'm going to come back to you in a few years and we're going to come back to this. And that's exactly what I did actually. This uh, developmental specialist at Children's Hospital basically told us that um, my son would not, she did not expect for him to write. She just gave us very, very few positives. We left that appointment feeling completely depleted, very depressed. And, you know, I looked at the face of my beautiful little three-year-old toddler and I just knew everything was going to be okay. It's like, of course, we're going to have challenges. But, you know, I can think back to when I was a child the challenges I put my parents through. We all have challenges. Every human being on this planet, you know, struggles. And as parents, we're here to just guide them through those obstacles. As we talked about, hold space for them, come up with creative solutions and partner with them. So fast forward to when my son was in third grade, he was just, he loves dolphins. He loves nature. He loves airplanes. Um, you know, he has really deeply focused areas that he's so passionate about, which is one of the beautiful things of children on the autism spectrum. They go so deep with things that they're truly interested in. And he was at the time very interested in dolphins. And his teacher had done something absolutely brilliant to spark some curiosity with writing. He started to become more of a confident writer. Of course, he could hold a pencil. Fast forward, you know, he was stringing beautiful sentences and paragraphs together. But we really encouraged him at home to write stories about dolphins. And I didn't really structure it. I didn't want it to be something that he felt like he had to do or do a certain way. I wanted him to just have some creative 
artistic writing expression and he would sit on the hood of our car and out in the sunshine with his journal and write and write and write on Saturday mornings after breakfast and I think one of his stories he wrote about 10 chapters which was really fascinating. And I turned around and I wrote a letter to the quote unquote professional that told me that my son probably wouldn't write and we'd be really lucky if he could hold a pencil um, correctly and produce letters. So my whole point is that we need to be very mindful and careful about how we are communicating Um, areas of need to each other, whether you're talking with another parent friend about their child, whether you are an actual teacher in a classroom and it's have your you have a conference. There are so many ways for us to celebrate and honor each individual child and the things that they are good at. There's also ways for us to create that bridge and help children see their potential and break down those fear barriers. Because if you're told that you are not a good writer or that you never you get so much red feedback on your writing papers or your math homework or your art projects that really does break down the passion for learning that content we need to be really careful about that and there's always cross connections between any discipline I mean there's so many fun creative things you can do if your struggle if your child struggles with social emotional quote their social emotional body have but they're really good at art they can maybe draw out some different scenarios or watch a movie if they love you know movies or reading a book and then create something about how they would solve a problem um and I've done things like that with my son too we used to have something called a fireside chat where we would come up with challenging obstacles that happen in kind of typical child's lives and really talk deeply about them and how we would handle them and what's the most mindful way to approach some of these social obstacles um, for children that study with mathematics, you know, maybe, but they're, they're phenomenal with decoding really long words. You know, there is, there is a cross connection there between stringing numbers together and stringing words together and help them see that they have some giftedness in these different areas. Um, if children, this is an obvious connection, but if children are really gifted with the arts but struggle with math, there is a lot of ways that you can integrate mathematics through the arts, through Fibonacci and geometry and um, patterns and all kinds of really fun ways that you can cross those two disciplines. There's there's almost always a connection Um if children really struggle with literacy and reading, or maybe they don't, they're not as engaged with reading, but they're really into, you know, science or history, of course, finding the literature that supports the thing that they're interested in is another obvious one. But sometimes those really obvious solutions, we don't always see them because we're always looking for something, you know, we feel like it has to be this difficult solution. And oftentimes it's very simple. Another way that we really can increase children's independence and level of autonomy is by simply asking them how they would like to contribute, what gifts they see that they have that they could bring to the table, whether it's in a classroom environment or the home environment. And I was struggling kind of recently with having my son just engage with chores around the house. And it really came down to me just asking, well, how would you like to contribute? How do you see yourself contributing? What would you like to do? And um, this was after his dad and I divorced and I was living in a new 
environment. And I think, you know, part of it was transitioning to that new environment. And it just, the space looked different. It felt different. Our routines were just a little bit different and uh, life looked different. So instead of just saying, okay, do the, you know, these are your chores. I simply asked, how would you like to contribute? And I'm telling you, he came up with the most mindful, thoughtful, loving list of probably 20 ways that he truly enjoyed contributing to the household. Everything from meal planning, grocery shopping, helping with the animals, you know, chores that he really finds joy in. And that's a first step. Um, And then, you know, they can pick a few and then maybe you one or two a ways that you would like to maybe help grow their life skills or you know whatever it is that you might be working on so there's always a solution and there's always a way to see what the children's input is because if they feel like they have a voice and they have input their buy-in is so much more authentic and that's really what we want we're we're raising souls here we you know the authenticity is is really important and the same in the classroom um here's another example of how this played out for me in the classroom my crew and I were studying the history of Greeley. I was teaching in Greeley, Colorado, and I had this idea of studying these characters from Greeley history and writing letters to them. And I asked just my students what they thought about that. Is this an activity that you feel would kind of fit into what we're doing? Would you enjoy this activity? You know, let's look at our standards and see, you know, how is this going to help us as a team grow? And my students came up with a way better idea of actually taking on the role of the characters and writing each other. And before I knew it, during read aloud time, they were building little mailboxes and they all had little mailboxes hanging off their desks. And, you know, some would, come in at lunch during read aloud time where they would have some free time and they would write each other these notes and uh, it kind of turned into a fun game where I would give them a, a little situation that would happen and they would have to respond to each other based on that situation but it really came from them I kind of had a little spark of an idea but they really were able to take it and give me feedback on it and if that was an activity that they would enjoy and it became so much more rich and enjoyable and it really was like a 10 minute conversation that we had and we were able to take a concept and really expand it into a more rich experience for the students that were so excited to get started they could hardly contain themselves and that's that's where we want them to be so excited about learning and being part of a community that they are taking ownership of things because they care about their work they care about each other they care about you as you're guiding them through this beautiful journey that we are so honored to do. So uh, just some thoughts on autonomy, how to structure that a little bit. And oftentimes, guys, it's releasing control. We are control freaks. We want to control every little thing. And it's not fun. And control is a complete facade. It's it, We don't have control. We really don't. It's co-creating. It's co-creating in lieu of control. And when we're in a place of co-creating with our children, we're learning with them. We realize that we are students as well, and sometimes our, 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 our students teach us and guide us in beautiful ways, and we learn and grow. Um, and releasing that control makes life so much more fun, um, and you really tap into their true heart's desires and what they would like to see, what they would like to create, what would they would like to do um, with each other or independently or with you. So just think about how you can release some control 
control to create more independent and autonomous learning um, in your home or school environments and talk with your family about this. I would absolutely love to hear what they would say. Bring their ideas to the table, honor their ideas, celebrate their ideas. Because if we think we're the only ones with good ideas, we are so, that's, that, that's the first step that we're really lost in this journey to think that we're the only ones with great lesson plans and great ideas or great vacation ideas or whatever it is that you might be planning right now because it's summer kind of coming into school time. So think about it and uh, write some thoughts down, present it to your family or staff members if you're getting ready to go back to work. Um, Just have this conversation. It's really powerful and it's really important. And uh, children love to feel like their voice is heard and that their ideas matter because of course they do. So uh, all my very best to you. Hope this finds you well. What are you grateful for if you haven't already decided that? And then how can you take these concepts and present them to the special ones in your life to bring in more independence and autonomy? All my very best to you and all my love. Bye-bye.